0: Welcome to the Holonic Podcast, this is Brent Simpson, and uh, this is the 12th episode, we're looking at Bright and Shiny Futures Part 2. I will get into a little bit of the heavier notes, because I think that, you know, a strictly utopianist vision is not realistic, right? That there is going to be things that are fallouts of, you know, even a healthy society that moves into these new realms of existence, new kind of paradigmatic ways of being in the world. And so one of the things that I think is very possible within this next turn of the wheel, it has a lot to do with chaos and chaotic components in ways that we hadn't really normally had to assimilate. And one of the major components is that you know we're kind of at the knee of the curb in the exponential landscape and it's starting to go very very quickly for many people and that's where information technology starts to branch into things like biotechnology and uh, other aspects of existence, uh, medical and, and these sorts of things. And so a lot of people are unprepared for a landscape of exponentials in almost every walk of life. And so with that, people's minds are not going to be prepared for it. I kind of touched on it briefly in the last episode, but that would mean that there might be unusual activities by people that are not prepared for it. And it just kind of creates splintering of society to a degree, where people will, you know, say, I'm not going to have brain-computer interfaces, and I'm not going to... And that's understandable, man. This stuff is very, very odd and unusual. It's kind of, by definition, strange in a certain sense, compared to anything in the past history. And so... The kinds of attitudes and dispositions that are sort of saying i don't know if i'm ready for this is like almost natural and so with it you know i think that you know kind of chaotic component to the atmosphere is, is just a fallout of this in some respects. So there'll be people in my opinion that are actually very sophisticated thinking we got to slow this movement down a little bit. It's going too fast and people just aren't ready for it and if if it keeps going at this speed then you know it's going to cause more damage than good in some respects. So I think there'll be a, a very few people, maybe, or smaller number of people that really kind of understand it, trying to slow the speed down. It's just too fast, too much, too quick. And, you know, on one hand, it's it's an amazing thing for humans to be at that speed. But on the other hand, um, you know, it's like a high-speed train. If it gets going too fast, bad things could happen, right? So there's that. But, you know, that's that's also, on the other hand, an exciting thing, right? You know, we've always looked forward to what's new, I think most people do, and it's like, you know, here we have so many different domains of existence that are that way, like, this will sound probably strange to a lot of ears if they haven't read people like Kurzweil, but things like, you know, life extension tech, when I say to my parents, you know, you might be part of this in some real way, they still, even though I've explained it in quite, you know, uh, elaborate detail, they still don't really, th- I don't think, take it as much of a possibility at all. But I, I, I give it like a real chance, man. I think that they have a decent chance of living an extended life and uh, potentially even being quite healthy doing it. Um, I, I know that age is it, it. matters in the fact that we've lived a certain amount of time and it has uh, these effects on all the genes and stuff, so fixing it all might not be quite in time, but Nevertheless, they could live a fairly decent life into the one hundred and twenties or something like this, or more, because at at a certain point, there there might be capacities for which we can reverse engineer genetics to some degree and you know upgrade them such that they can be healthy. And I, I don't um this is really outside my domain of expertise honestly, but and I know that. People say that uh, it's ridiculous from a technical point of view to think that this is possible, people that are studying biology. My contention is, though, that when you have thousand dollar computers at the human brain level doing this 24 hours a day, exclusively focused on interobjective data, which is like functional fit stuff, which is kind of high-level stuff that humans struggle to do on the best of times. Uh, again, they're not good with other domains, so they can really screw up other things. But just think about that: thousand-dollar computers at the human level in twenty twenty-nine, doing this all day long. You know, tens of thousands, of hundreds, or th- millions of them. It's, it's very and and with it, uh, a, a decade of advancements in biotech, nanotech, and and so on. It's very very reasonable. As Kurzweil would argue, that by twenty twenty-nine, we're actually gaining a year for every year lost. Right now it might be a month, uh, and that's kind of hopeful thinking, given certain things. There's some data that seems to suggest that um, there is uh, l- degrading health for for people, uh, millennials, and this sort of thing, and I actually think that's very, very reasonable. And there's things about uh, the degradation of The workforce, in my opinion, like the monetary system, geopolitical system and stuff that is having ripple effects on the ability for people to eat well because they can't afford it in many respects. Lots of people, half the the population stuff. So to me, there's a lot of worries about maintaining health into this and that, you know, with, for example, VR things, VR realities where people can just get lost in it at almost a matrix level within about 10 years, you know, things like health might not be a priority for a lot of people but on the other hand this stuff might get so simple where you just take a, a shower and it's doing stuff on your body and i don't know you know i'm kind of speculating on how all this stuff might look but um never this is this is all to say that there's at least the potentiation with with all these different tech streams that if, if we can negotiate big pharma into a more healthy domain big government into a more healthy domain, then to me there's a very reasonable chance that life extension tech is is really not that far off, and that could mean dramatically living longer and these sorts of things. You know, Ken Ken made the contention in one of his podcasts that the last thing that might be hard to work on and get healthy and to live long with is the brain. And it, it might be a very, very hard thing to keep that lasting a thousand years or longer and... Found that an interesting comment. But my contention is, is that Coral is going to start reverse engineering the brain and that there might be, you know, sort of uh, subtle energy tech, something akin to this, that could do a lot to enhance and upgrade the brain from a distance. And, you know, it's almost the very idea of a wizard's hat means that there's invasiveness to the brain to some degree. And so that, you know, we have to understand it in great detail. And I think along with it, there's a good chance that there will be. Fallouts of medical tech uh, that will commensurate with—I don't know if that's the right word. It will start up with the the wizard's hat type stuff. And again, if you don't know what the wizard's hat is, it's—I uh, guess it's called the Neuralink, founded by Elon Musk, and it's it's of a couple phases. The first is to solve things like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and whatnot. And so he often does this with his with his New companies. He finds a practical solution that needs to be solved at the in the immediate sense, and that would be something like um, helping with people with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and these sorts of things. So it would be sort of invasive, very very invasive kind of technology in the brain to do that kind of stuff. And then you know the that's a bootstrap or bootstart. I can't think of the right word. For it. it 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 creates a, a rocket for which he can actually launch himself into a new domain of technology, which would be better than EEG and EKG and these sorts of texts that would not be as invasive. And you could just put this hat on and it would interface with the brain. I think I did briefly bring this up in the previous video, but I think it's so important that it needs to be kind of circled around on from different domains, because to me this is far more powerful than something like a, a cell phone. That's like a different paradigm in a certain sense. This stuff, it, it requires reverse engineering the brain, and so it's like this is this is next level and that the capacities, and I can link this now within, with AI and the exponential tech from a different angle. And AI you know, artificial intelligence at a twenty twenty nine level. It's like a new brain. So I, I I've philosophized that we have kind of not just a triune brain, which is sort of three brains, but we actually have kind of a five part brain already. And that sounds maybe weird to people's ears, but my contention is is that there's like a material brain, very, very basic. It's like prehension, as Ken would call it. And so it's a very but it's all throughout our body. Matter is all throughout our body. So it's like a super, 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 super primitive brain, but it is there. It's part of the the makeup, the foundational makeup of our existence. And then there's a vital brain, also very very basic but you know in a certain sense it does play a, a vital role in our existence it tells us if we're feeling well in a certain sense and that's kind of that vital brain's operative quality and then you know the then there's the the reptile brain and then the the limbic brain and the neocortex complex neocortex and all of those do like even the feeling well it requires those other brains to actually actualize itself but the cells in our life in our body they're either healthy or not healthy and our other brains the reptile the limbic and the neo are all telling us like you know are those cells healthy is it you know so there's that and then what I'm going to contend is that What we're working on right now as a human civilization is the evolution of the human civilization, kind of taking it into our own hands for better or worse, hopefully under the the mantle of something of greater goodness, you know, something bigger than ourselves, to craft a sixth brain. It's like the biggest project humans have ever undertaken, potentially. And, you know, that could look more organic or more synthetic, and I think, ideally, it would be more organic. And I don't know how that exactly works, and it might be spiritual. It's another component, and, you know, turquoise seems to be doing something along these lines, but it's very, very early in its negotiations, so, you know, I, I don't fully, I have ideas. Believe me, I do I have lots of ideas on this stuff, but the exact uh, form it might take in the future that's a little bit. There's a bit more question marks around it for me, as as more and more people come online and working on this project, and it might sound strange, but I've kind of been working on it with others too. So I'll just say that. Anyway, the the sixth brain then hooks in in some form or fashion with these other five brains and and I think is primarily of the domain of the interobjective. You'd call it integral because it's capable of integralization in a certain way, but it's uh, more of a random integralization, in my opinion, that flips back and forth between particular brains. It doesn't really uh, integralize. I don't know how to put it another way. It's like, okay, right now I need the limbic brain. Okay, right now I need the neocortex. Right now I need the reptile brainstem. And then he's using them to kind of best functionally fit into the into the world or something akin to this. This does sound weird. I maybe express it in long form at some point, but let's just say that geopolitics and reverse engineering of the brain are two of the big uh, projects that I see coming at in many different angles in twenty in the 2020s. And will it'll have consequences on almost every other domain. Like when you think of the outside world, like geopolitics is like the capstone for which all the the other domains fall you know school systems economics uh business you know it really is contingent on the geopolitical landscape so if we get a good geopolitics in play and i'm arguing something like the federated panarchy might be one of the better but maybe not the best i'm sure we can come up with something better if we put our minds together so that's that's a shout out to people wanting to work with me on this stuff. So there's that. And then on the interior landscape, um, you know, I'm saying that that we will be reverse engineering, coming to better understandings of what the mind and the brain is in this sort of thing. And, you know, I think that people like Ken have been doing really great work on it, and hopefully what I kind of articulated in that last video is, is another example of how that might look. Um, But I think that will come a long ways, too. Like, I'm not very good with the different, like, parts of the brain in particular. And I know that they all play different roles and do different things and this sort of thing. Uh, I'm better at the integralization and certain things like that, maybe. Maybe. Hopefully. I don't even know if that's the case. But that's my contention. So, those are huge things. And then, you know, other things that are very exciting to me are, are like, uh, again, Musk's notion of going to Mars. So Mars or the Moon or terraforming other planets. So there's always been this worry uh, in the last couple years about overpopulation by many, many people. Um, and my contention is one of the greatest weights off it is the sense of like, okay, well, if we pioneer other planets, then we have escape routes for for the potential of overpopulation or even, as, as Musk would say, you know, just degradation of this planet but I, I'd like to flip it more into a positive sense it's like okay we have an overflowing of population and we want that because now we're populating other planets and it's like we need people there and we need people to be on the ground doing something so fantastical as terraforming other planets and stuff and I mean it's not necessarily going to be all roses and stuff this is, this is like Wild Wild West to the next level, right? When you're going to Mars, it's like, holy shoot, this is a big thing to undertake. And, you know, I think there's a reason why it's kind of red, you <laughs> know, it's like, no metaphoric in a certain sense, but like, you know, this is this is heavy stuff we're taking on. If you go to Mars, it's the first 10,000, 100,000 people, you know, this is really pioneering, really dangerous, and all that stuff. And, um, but what a noble act you'd be doing for the the world if if we could actually make it work, actually terraform a new planet. You know, holy smokes, it's a great great thing. And my contention is, is once we get get at it, it'll get exponentially easier to do it on other planets. There may only be four or five on this in the solar system that can be done, or maybe none. I don't know. But um, if we can rehabilitate even just Mars, you know, that's such a huge huge thing. It could take. A lot of the weight-off uh, worries of overpopulation for this planet. And then whether or not we can actually go interstellar in the sense of, like, have light-speed travel to other solar systems that might be sustainable for human life, you know, that's an open question. It takes either transcending light-speed or breaking through uh, portals to new dimensions or aliens giving us a hand or something along this line. And I'm not outside the domain of thinking aliens couldn't interface with us. Like there is a sense in which, you know th- there's a possibility that they'd be waiting for a certain level of development before we're ready to interface with alien beings. You know, that sounds maybe weird, but maybe it requires like a turquoise level that is like species cognition. You know, the contention is is that at turquoise you have a cognition that is species-centric or something like this. It's not just about humans, which was very orange in its focus. But at turquoise, you're starting to be caring for all sentient beings. You know, you recognize the fact that it, it matters if the crickets are there. It matters if the mosquitoes are there for the dragonflies, for the birds, for the humans. It's like there's an upward foundational pyramid that's supportive and you want the health in all dimensions and domains and actually maybe enhancing all dimensions and domains and that's like you know a species level cognition and maybe aliens are waiting for that because they're a different kind of species and we're we're not going to be tolerant for the until we're at that domain in a certain respect so you know it's just an interesting thought experiment that you may never have heard before um I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of agnostic about whether or not there are aliens here, but I've had some weird experiences. Well, I know, I won't even get into it. That's maybe not the right time or place to talk about, but... Anyways, uh, so what other domains can we talk about that might be exciting? Like, AR, I think, is really kind of cool, too. And this would be very much drastically uh, enhanced with... with Brain-computer interfaces, but this is just a few years away, so it's kind of maybe worth talking about. Like in two years, uh, AR will be like in glass form. It's I've been following it quite a bit recently, and you just put on these glasses, and they might connect to your cell phone or something like this. And it's it's very close now at that point to think that it's like you have upgraded memory in a certain respect. Like oh, I can't remember this guy's name. Oh, he's on my Facebook account. That's Fred. And you might want to have way more people on your Facebook account because when you bump into them, it will give you data feed information about them and it can help you with their communication and, and all those sorts of things so that you're not forgetting a lot of personal data, birthdays and stuff. I'm still terrible with that, sadly. I miss a lot of my friends' family's birthdays just because I don't put it on my phone and, and whatnot. But I think maybe I'd be more on that and with notifications, like uh, even notifications, I put them on my phone and I miss many of them. But if they're in your data feed and you never take your glasses off all day, then there's a great chance that you're not going to miss appointments and and what have you, because it's always there just telling you, okay, you have this appointment in two hours, you know, these sorts of things. I know the cell phones do that, and most people are so on the phones most of the time that they miss very little of it, but this would almost necessarily be... uh, for many people, like constant kind of data feeds. And the nice thing about it is you're not locked into this world where you're uh, excluding the exterior world with AR. It's just data overlays of information into the real world. And what I think is another side of this that would be really, really cool is that you would have artistic displays around you of the real world. So it's like superimposing art into the world and making it more beautiful. And that that beauty will just be inspiring to you. You're walking down New York and, you know, it's it's all colored in these fantastical colors with uh, fantastical beings hanging out with you and interacting with you and other beings too. And you can interface with the interfacing of those other beings and other individuals interfacing with... When I say beings, I'm talking about artificial beings uh, created, you know, virtually... But, you know, just a lot more fun and exciting and interactive, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, is that your data feeds are not excluding the exterior world, they're interfacing with it, and you're interfacing with other individuals, humans, while interfacing with it, and it's kind of just more fun. So, that's coming very soon. I think we'll see advanced versions of it probably within two years. They're already getting to be pretty cool, but they're too expensive, I think, at this point, and... There's this exponential downward cost ratio with with this tech, too, which, you know, when you looked at a computer in the 1980s, it was too expensive for almost anybody to afford. But it it took almost 15 years before most families could actually get into the computer world. With the advancement of technology, new paradigms of tech, so that would be cell phones, and then VR, and then AR. What we're seeing is uh, radical decline of cost, or at least entry-level costs uh, to get into it. Like, I have a Samsung phone, and I bought a VR system for about $120, a very reasonable price to get into a low-level VR situation. And it's not that low. Like, it's only probably 50% lower than than the highest-level tech out there. So it's actually quite good. Um... But then you're paying exponentially more for the greatest, so there's that. But nevertheless, it's like very workable technology, and I think the same will be for AR even quicker. You know, we're already down to very very reasonable five hundred dollar AI, AR, and that will probably come down to like one hundred fifty to two hundred dollars within <clears throat> a year or two. And so that next, that's a next paradigm, and we're also seeing the crunching of paradigms. So what I mean by that is that VR. So, if the cell phone was about 13 years after the computer, something akin to this, you know, so what I mean by that is a smartphone, then the VR was only about uh, five years, no, maybe a bit more, maybe seven years after the smartphone kind of got mainstream. And then the AR is only going to be about four years after VR went mainstream. So we could probably predict a new paradigm. So if AR goes mainstream next year, then we could probably see a new paradigm coming within about two or three years after that. I don't even really know what that might be. It might be comp- brain-computer interfaces, honestly. That would actually kind of make sense. Um, so that would be coming like early 2020s, honestly, and then that, uh, you know, so that's getting into matrix-level stuff very quickly, and it probably will take a little bit longer to get full-level matrix stuff, but there's, you know, pretty intense versions of new kinds of brainscapes and stuff. Okay, I'm kind of getting, my voice is going again here, so I'm going to probably end this uh, conversation here very shortly. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Peace.